Regina, thank you so much for doing this project with me. It is always a treat to see you and play with you. You well, are just the best. Man, thank you for having me. As soon as, as soon as I got the call, I was like, Christian, yep, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you something. Everyone, many people know your story. You're originally from Detroit. You are a very, you're rightly, correctly regarded as one of the premier musicians on any instrument. Uh, on the music scene. Growing up in Detroit, Michigan, I mean, you started at two playing the piano. Was that like, uh, was it a natural calling to go to the piano or did you feel forced? Like, oh man, I don't want to do this. No, you know, my my mother, I don't, I think I was too young for her to even think about starting me in music, right. but my brothers, I heard them practicing every day and their teacher would come to the house and give them their lessons. Now, now how did you discover jazz, particularly playing the violin? <laughs> In high school, Carla Cook. Ah. <laughs> we met. We love Carla. Yeah, we met in Spanish class. She would come to school every day talking about Eddie Jefferson. Mm. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't. I because I didn't grow up listening to jazz sure. in my household. So, I think she brought me some recordings of Noel Pointer, Jean sure. Conti, and Stefan Grappelli. Wow. And then uh, a couple years later, she took me uh, to hear Stefan Grappelli live in Detroit. And A, I was very much attracted to uh, the improvisation because my first teacher on violin actually taught us about improvisation, but in the Baroque style. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lost art form in classical Kind of like what we just did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I wasn't afraid to, to be off the paper and try things. Um, but when I saw, seeing a live concert, yeah. the fact that they could have their own voice and interpret the music the way they wanted to instead of someone saying, you have to play it like this right. every single time. Right. So all, all of that uh, just really attracted me. So Carla played a very integral part in introducing you to the oh, music, yeah. huh? Yeah, and what people don't know, Carla was a bass player in high school. She played <laughs> upright bass. <laughs> I, did, I did not know that. No wonder she's so soulful. Oh, my goodness. So you, you get introduced to jazz, and when did you start playing professionally, like making jazz gigs? There were all those groups in the in the uh, 70s. Like, so um, you doing, like, pit gigs? No, no, like with a band. Oh, really? Out in, like, you know, clubs and stuff. I was, way, I was underage. <laughs> I was just about to say, I mean, I know you're not that old, so wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was underage in clubs with another violinist. We had we played the what are the groups that had like Fly Robin Fly and uh, <laughs> ELO. I played with Brainstorm. No kidding. Yeah. Be a whole string section or just no, two just violins. No, just two violins. And in Brainstorm, it was just me wow. doing the string parts. But I I really I probably got more serious about jazz in in college. Mm -hmm. um, and then started learning cuz it's start learning how to listen. Where'd what you to go to college to again? Do. I went to New England Conservatory uh -huh. for 2 years but then I transferred to Oakland University in Michigan. Rochester, okay. Michigan. Okay. But uh, I think my first professional gig probably was with you. Was it with uh, probably straight ahead I think when I, I cuz I lived out of the country and came back and, and worked with an all women's group in Detroit called and like I said off the record a few minutes ago, what I've always loved most about your playing is you have the perfect balance. You have the perfect balance of the brain and the heart. And, you know, it's hard to come by musicians that have the perfect balance. They're usually heavy on one and light on the other. <laughs> and they either got too much grease or, or, or too much, you know, neutral sweet. <laughs> 
or something. Well, that's a, well, that's a big compliment, and coming from you, thank no, you, because man. Christian, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should stand in the mirror and say that. Oh, get out of here. Please, come on. Come uh, on. How much I owe you? <laughs> Anyhow, um, and I, I have to talk about this. You know, you are, it, it was very well publicized. You won the uh, Genius Grant, which you so Me and Wiley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I want to ask you is, what you do with all that money? No. Well, the go- what the government didn't take, <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> yeah, so you made well, about half, yeah, half yeah, of that, right? Yeah, yeah, they take a big chunk. Actually, you know what? I want to back up a little bit. You also did something really, really special, and I know how much of a challenge it was when you got to play the, the famous Paganini violin. Now, please walk us through that one last time. <laughs> I, I, I know you've must be blue in the face talking about that but that was such i don't know if you know how many people were pulling for you i you know it's amazing amazing. when you're going through it you don't realize but going back now and reading some of the press and just and and meeting people that are not musicians or in the music world uh seeing how much it affected them um helps me to to even realize how much more of a deal it really was i know i was it was a blessing for me to play his violin um it's usually it's kept in a museum uh, in Genoa, and uh, usually only classical European classical violinists who win the competition get to play it. So a friend of mine that lives in Genoa came up with this idea that after hearing a recording, a rehearsal recording that I had done, uh, John Clayton had written some string charts for me with mm-hmm. the Mancini Institute Orchestra. Right. So it was supposed to be an orchestra gig, but it just ended up being with my quintet. But there were several interviews, a lot of red tape, a lot of this, that, and the other. A lot of people that were totally against me playing the violin. Some very, you know, ugly and backwards thoughts that playing jazz would devalue the instrument sometimes. Does of it way. surprise you that that mentality still prevails no. in this day no. and age? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this day and age, yeah. you watch TV and see what's going yeah, exactly. on with, you know. You know, you would think that in the 21st century, jazz would still in some circles be regarded as quote unquote legitimate music. We're, st- we're still fighting for that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like jazz is music that, you know, it, it's uh, it's beneath, you know, quote unquote classical music. And, you know, you can't yeah. touch this violin. Someone like Oscar Peterson or Art Tatum, oh, they're beneath, yeah. you know, European classical players. And like, are you nuts? Well, when you think <laughs> about it, music, when people learn music or learn about a music, they, we have a tendency sometimes to just try and learn the music right. and you can't separate music from the culture so if you realize yes. that music and culture is one all together right. and then how people this says a lot about how people think and how they think about the people that the music comes from usually only people maybe studying baroque music mm-hmm. deal with improvisation yes but other than that once you get past the baroque composers right. they don't they, they don't do it anymore yeah and it's really a shame and it, it, it's the way the music is at least the way i was taught in the conservatory if you play a piece by a certain composer it has to have certain nuances all the time or it has right. to be played this right way. right which from it takes it takes the life out of the music yes. and 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 even how audiences have been trained that you can't clap in between mm-hmm. the movements mm-hmm. any, anymore that wasn't how it was you know this music yeah. people didn't go it was it was party music basically yeah, life and so now if someone 
doesn't know any better and they respond right. to the music you can feel the vibe in the audience like yeah. don't you should know better or something's wrong and it's it just kills the music yeah well i i think that with people like yourself on the scene people who know a little bit a little bit about both worlds you know what i mean we can we can bring that together uh one person who i've had a great time talking to about this very same subject is Lalo Schifrin mm -hmm. and Lalo always says the same things like they've taken all of the life out of the music <laughs> you know so it's like yeah Lalo rap well, you know what's, what's next for you you got so many great things going on what's up next well I'm working on my next project I've been listening to and collecting music from all over Africa and mm. um, I found some music from the uh, Jewish people in Uganda uh -huh. And uh, some of the music is actually from the Torah, but there's some other traditional music, and it's just really, it's soulful. That's all I can say. It's I, just I can soulful. only imagine. Have you been to Africa? Uh, only South Africa, so I'm trying to get back. Uh, yeah, that's, I had an opportunity to go last year, and I mean, it really is heavy, right? Yes, and see, I, when I went to South Africa, it was pretty much right after uh, apartheid. Oh, so you went a while ago. Mm-hmm. Well, Regina... I look forward to the next time we can hang, next time we can yeah. play, make some more music. You are absolutely one of the best. I love playing with you, and thank you for having me on this project. Anytime, anytime. Mm -hmm.